Well, good afternoon. Welcome everyone to YSI's webinar. Thanks for joining us today for part two of our best practices for sensor maintenance series. I'm Shannon Miller and I'll be moderating today and presenting is Ben Barker, our very knowledgeable application engineer who has six years of experience with online analytical instrumentation. Today, Ben will be talking about best practices for the IQ SensorNet by Solid, VisoTurb, UVBiz, and IFL sensors, performing live hands-on demonstrations of maintenance procedures. Um, before we get started, I did want to let you know about our next webinar, part three, taking place on May 4th, where we will cover analyzer maintenance, so be sure to mark your calendars for that. Just a couple of things before we get started. Uh, this webinar is eligible for CEUs through the IACET, and we'll provide more information on how to get those in a post-webinar email. Uh, we'll be taking questions throughout the webinar, so feel free to use the Q&A and chat boxes in Zoom, um, and we'll answer as many as we can live. Um, and lastly, this webinar is being recorded, and the recording will be available to watch on demand in a few days. Uh, there will also be a link to that in the post-webinar email. Um, and with that, we'll go ahead and kick off the presentation and I'll turn it over to Ben to get started. So we're going to get to the first sensor of the day, uh, which is the Biosolid and VisoTurb sensors. Um, these are both optical sensors. Um, they are uh, they are both using measuring using scattered light. So essentially we have our sensor and we have at the front of our sensor a uh, two ports in which one, we shine a light out into the measuring, uh, into the uh, process um, or into the water. And we have a detector on the other side that receives the scattered light and measures it. Uh, that turns, uh, gives it a, that gives us a raw uh, measuring data point in which we can then correlate into a milligrams per liter value using the uh, calibration curve that I just showed you guys a little, uh, a bit ago. Um, so the typical applications that we'll see, um, the Vice Solid is a uh, mainly an activated sludge or uh, mainly an activated sludge sensor. So that's mostly going to be found in your aeration basins, your uh, uh, return activated sludge, or your waste activated sludge. Um, the VisoTurb, you're typically going to see that at your wastewater effluent, or you're going to see it in uh, drinking water applications or uh, water reuse applications, so usually a lot cleaner of a process. And one uh, thing that you can do with a VisoTurb compared to uh, when you're uh, compared to when you're using a biosolid is that a VisoTurb can measure TSS. And uh, when I would want to use a VisoTurb with TSS is at the effluent of a wastewater treatment plant. Uh, the VisoTurb, when uh, used at a wastewater effluent rather than an activated sludge, you can get a better measurement at the very low ranges. So if you're measuring TSS at below, usually like uh, 10 to 20 milligrams per liter of TSS, it'd be better to use a VisoTurb rather than a biosolid. All right, so how do you clean these guys? These are actually very simple uh, sensors to clean. Um, these are the, uh, these have ultrasonic cleaning. And what that means is that the very tip of the sensor, there is a ultrasonic cleaning mechanism in which vibrates the end of the sensor and shakes off anything that's trying to clean on it or trying to grow on the sensor. So with that, um, it really it extends the time you need to uh, ex extends the time between cleanings. Um, so really, with a bisolid or visoturb, you're going to want to pull that out of the uh, you're going to want to pull that out about every uh, month to clean it. Sometimes more, sometimes less, and it's always depending on the process and where you are in the process. 
but usually monthly is a good guide for a uh, bi-solid or visochair for pulling it out and cleaning. And to do so is actually very easy um, because there's not really many special parts, uh, not really many consumables or anything like that. Um, this sensor is very easy to clean. You're just going to pull it out of wherever you have it. It might be in a, a pipe. It might be suspended in a basin. You're gonna pull it out. You're gonna take a, a moist cloth and just wipe the sensor down clean, making sure that the very end of the sensor, most important part is going to get cleaned as well. So wipe that clean and in about five to 10 seconds, you can get this sensor back in the water and measuring. Um, so that's cleaning. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk about calibrating these sensors. The first one I'm going to talk about is actually the bi-solid sensor over here. So again, this is our TSS sensor. It measures TSS in activated sludge situations. Um, and it's a very easy way to calibrate. We use something called a correction factor. And basically what that is, is that we take what the sensor is currently measuring, take a grab sample. So take a grab sample as close to the sensor as possible. Take that to the lab, get a, uh, get a TSS measurement from the lab. And then we can compare the two measurements and adjust the sensor's measurement to match the uh, to, uh, to match the lab measurement. So when I go to take this grab sample, I'm going to take the grab sample as close as possible to the sensor. I'm going to write down what the sensor is currently measuring. And I'll actually pull this over here so I can show you guys what we are working with. Right now it is currently measuring 4,046 uh, milligrams per liter. By solid equals 4,046 TSS. So when I go to take this measurement to the, uh, when I go to take this to the lab, um, I'm going to, for instance, get a measurement of 5,000 milligrams per liter. So if my lab comes back at 5,000, and let me actually move the CPEX and see it. We have this fancy little uh, equation in which we can uh, determine our correction factor. So uh, the FN, that is going to be your new correction factor. FA is going to be your current correction factor if you have one. And then we also have our lab measurement, which is going to go on the top. So that's going to be 5,000 as we previously determined. Time or divided by our bi-solid measurement, which is 4,046. And then we just need to figure out what that uh, measures or what that, uh, what that uh, comes out to be, um, which that would be about, Justin, can you do the math for me on that one? And then also switch to the controller. <clears throat> Okay, so on our controller, as Matt, or as Justin gets me those numbers, uh, we can see our TSS measurement is still around that 4,051 mark. Uh, we are going to go into the settings of that sensor, so highlight the TSS, press the S button, go to settings of sensors and dip sensors, highlight the right-hand column, go to our TSS measurement, And right here, we have our correction factor. Uh, thanks to Justin, we have our uh, correction factor, which is 1.23. So I'm going to enter in 
and I'm going to press save and quit. Now, if I go back to my main screen, we should now have a measurement that's a little bit, or that should be closer to what we had before. Um, and we will see if it changes. Okay. Oh yeah. So it it did go up to about exactly five thousand. So that's a uh, that's essentially how we uh, do a calibration on a on a uh, vice solid. So the other thing to think about here is that if we are going to adjust a sensor, a TSS sensor that already has a correction factor, in that equation we had the FA. If we we're going to adjust it again, we would use that one point two three in that equation in order to adjust a for a correction factor if we already have one input into it. So keep that in mind if you're adjusting a sensor that you have already adjusted. <clears throat> okay, so coming back to the uh, main screen here. I'll show you guys how we can do the same for a turbidity sensor. So a turbidity sensor is actually a little bit easier. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a offset for a bisolid. Um, Justin has a question that uh, that we will before we get off the bis or the TSS topic, uh, we'll go ahead and answer. Um. So when wiping a sensor, do you use a specific type of cloth, non-abrasive, chem wipes? Yes, uh, I would always, uh, when cleaning any of our sensors, especially with the with a with a uh, a glass face to it, I would always use a soft cloth. Never use anything abrasive, such as like a wire brush. Uh, sometimes people use uh, wire brushes when they shouldn't, and that can potentially be dangerous to the sensor. So I would always use a microfiber cloth. Um, similar to this, you can also use a white ball, which is something that I use pretty frequently. Um, but really anything that's soft and that's not going to, uh, that's going to hurt the, uh, the sensor, uh, face. Okay. So moving on to the, uh, turbidity measurement, uh, we're going to adjust the bisolid or sorry, the visoturb with an offset. So in doing this, we're going to take our visoturb and this is based, this is just a bucket of, uh, tap water. So I'm going to submerge this sensor into this tap water. We're going to get a measurement of turbidity, which usually since it's tap water, is going to be very low at like one to 1.5. And then we're going to uh, take the reference measurement and looking at our offset equation over here, we're going to take our reference value, which is what the water is actually measuring, which you can do with a lab measurement. You can do it with a portable uh, colorimeter. Uh, and then we can take the sensor measurement um, and just do a simple subtraction and enter it into the uh, and enter it into the controller. So taking my bisolid, submerging it into the bucket, and we can see that we are getting a measurement of one point. Uh, we'll let it settle out here for a second. It is right here. So we're getting a measurement of about 1.9 now that we have uh, leveled out and that will be our uh, sensor measurement. So I'm gonna pull that back out. 
1.89. Now let's say that our reference measurement is actually going to be uh, 2.0 FNU. So if we subtract that, we're going to get 0.11. And that will be our visoturb offset. So again, we're going to go back to the controller. We press the S button, go to the settings of sensors and diff sensors, highlight the right-hand column, go to turbidity, and we're going to enter in our application offset, which of course is 0 0.11, 1, 1, and then we can press save and quit. And if I still had this in the bucket, it would measure about two. Uh, but that's uh, that's how you uh, do a application offset or a, a turbidity offset. All right. So moving this out of the way, um, the nice thing about uh, the nice thing about the bisolid and visoturb, um, as compared to like a pH sensor, a DO sensor, or a uh, ion selective electrode sensor, is that there are no replaceable parts on this. So if you remember, the three aspects of maintenance are uh, uh, cleaning, calibration, and consumables. There are no consumables for uh, the bisolid or uh, uh, viso terms. So we really don't have to worry about uh, any replacing any parts, which is great. All right, I see there's a couple of questions. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, take a look at these questions. I have one question, Ben. What is the difference of doing the single point calibration versus correction factor? So the the uh, the single point calibration this kind of gets into the the math of uh, deep into the math of like how the biosolid works. The single point correction is uh, you're basically taking the raw data from the sensor and giving it a single milligrams per liter value to uh, create a new curve. When we're doing a correction factor on a biosolid sensor, we actually have a pre-calibrated factory curve that is determined by uh, WTW, or I'm sorry, by YSI, um, to, create a, uh, to create a curve that best fits the application. So like activated sludge. And a correction factor actually adjusts the, uh, the depth of the curve. So it's curve. So instead of just creating your own curve, which is what a single point calibration would be, um, a correction factor just adjusts the factory calibration um, to adjust to the uh, the current or to the uh, um, to the to the application. Okay, um, so we're gonna head on to the next part of the sensor or next part of the presentation, which is the UV vis calibration. Okay. So uh, this is our UV, UV vis, or our UV sensors. Um, these UV sensors are essentially a spectrophotometer in a probe that is reading continuously. So on one side of the sensor, if you see right here in the middle, we have a our measuring gap. So that is where water is going to be filling this space, and we're going to be shining a light through from one side of the gap to the other. On one side, we have a light, which is going to shine our preferred wavelengths, and that's where the UV and the visible comes from. 
Um, and on the other side, we're going to have our detector, which picks up the uh, which uh, picks up the amount of absorb of absorbance of the water. And based on the algorithms that are input into the sensor, it's going to output in milligrams per liter value. And of course, uh, as I mentioned with the uh, all the other sensors, it outputs a raw value, which we then calibrate uh, to a milligrams per liter value of nitrate, nitrite, COD, BOD, all of those parameters. So the first thing I'm gonna teach you guys about is, uh, is cleaning for this sensor. Um, this is also equipped with ultrasonic cleaning. So this is one of the sensors that um, it vibrates on the surface of the, of the measuring uh, uh, of the sapphire windows, and it will uh, shake off anything that's trying to build up on that sensor. And with that said, um, similar to the bisolid and visoturb, we are going to uh, do clean, pull this and clean it about monthly. The nice thing about this sensor is that we are we often add air cleaning to it. So which you have a compressor which sits next to the sensor and it blows air across the measuring windows. In the cases that you're using the ultrasonic or the ultrasonic cleaning and the air cleaning, uh, you can get up to three to six months between uh, actually pulling it out and cleaning it, sometimes even longer. But just keep in mind that in, over these, over the course of these, uh, uh, during these times, that you will still have to provide uh, maintenance on these sensors, even though you have air cleaning and ultrasonic cleaning. You have to do that with every single sensor, no matter what type of automatic cleaning system you have on there. Um, all right, so let's get into the cleaning of this sensor. Um, once I pull this sensor out of the water, I'm going to set it down. Oftentimes, the rest of the sensor is going to be very dirty. Um, you will not necessarily have to clean the rest of the sensor, but you can if you want to keep it looking nice as, as nice as this one. Um, so I'll take, again, a, a moist cloth. Uh, it could be a white ball. It could be anything like that, and wipe off the body of the sensor. Now, what we really want to focus on is making sure that this measuring gap is clean. That is the most important part when making sure that this sensor is going to read correctly. Um, there are a couple of options that we have. When I pull it, first off, when I pull it out of the water, I'm gonna take a uh, some water and spray directly across the, uh, uh, the, the measuring window. Uh, next thing I'm gonna do is takes, take either the factory, or it's, take either the uh, YSI uh, provided um, uh, cleaning cards. This is basically like a credit card that has like belts on the outside. And it's a really uh, good way to keep the measuring windows clean because they're very stiff. So I can really scrub on those sapphire windows. Um, I personally really like to use a microfiber cloth for this purpose. Um, in my opinion, uh, I think that the flossing method uh, with, a, with a cloth like this is a little bit more effective and a little bit easier. Um, uh, I feel like this is a little bit more difficult to use. Um, plus, these are a little bit more, you probably have a bunch of these laying around your uh, facility anyways. So in the case of me pulling up and cleaning it, I'm going to spray it down. I'm going to take a moist microfiber cloth like you see, like I have here. I'm going to insert the, uh, the cloth in between the, <clears throat> the measuring windows. And I'm going to use a flossing motion to bring putting pressure on each of the windows to clean off the center or clean off the windows. I think this long flossing motion is what actually does the best work to uh, to keep it clean. So I'm going to do that for about a minute. I'm obviously not going to do it for a minute now, um, but yeah. So uh, for a minute, 
to keep that or to keep those clean. Take your water, spray it off again, and then put it back in the water. If you have a plant in which you are doing that, you know, monthly, your your sensor is going to be running uh, is going to be running very well. It's going to be giving you great data, and you're not going to have to uh, use any of these uh, of the next uh, cleaning methods that, I, that I'm going to be giving you. So, with every UV vis sensor, also comes with what we call a calibration sleeve. Um, this is used for uh, a lot of different purposes, but the main purpose type that we use it for is to um, is to soak the measuring windows in some type of solution in order to clean it. Um, in the case of a, you know, if you have like bi or biological buildup, like say it's been like six months since you cleaned your sensor and there's biological like solids from your activated slug base and it's just all over it. It'd be a good uh, opportunity to let it soak in a mixture of Dawn dish soap and water. And to be able to do that, we can use this calibration sleeve to basically create a chamber for you to let it soak in. So I just got to take off that, slide my calibration sleeve on. Um, I will take a, uh, I'll usually mix uh, a cup of uh, Dawn dish soap and uh, water together. I'll just pour it in the middle and I'll let it sit there for about 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, I'll pull it off. I'll take my, uh, my moist cloth and uh, give it another scrub down, rinse it really, really good, and then put it back in the water. So that's the case for uh, biological buildup. Let's say that you have this at the effluent of your wastewater treatment plant or in a drinking water application, and you have a lot of, uh, you have very hard water where you have a lot of uh, lime or calcium deposits that are building up on the sensor. In this case, uh, you can fill this chamber with 5% HCl for 15 minutes, and that will uh, basically break up any of the calcium or lime deposits building up on the sensor. Again, do the same thing, pull it, uh, let it soak for 15 minutes in the 5% HCl, remove it, rinse it off really good, put it back in the water. Now in the case, if you are in a location, maybe this is at the inflowing of your plant or you know, upstream of my activated sludge basins, uh, and you have a lot of grease that's you know, getting all over the sensor and it gets really hard to clean off. Um, in that case, 70% uh, uh, ethanol is actually going to be the best way to clean off this sensor in that application. So again, calibration sleeve, uh, let it soak for uh, 15 minutes in 70% alcohol or ethanol. Um, pull off the calibration sleeve, rinse it off, put it back in the water. And yeah, if uh, if you and that is the case uh, in rare cases, do you ever actually have to do that? Um, but if you are consistently pulling up the sensor every month to do the the primary cleaning method, then it really should keep your sensor working really well. Okay, so next we're going to talk about how to calibrate this guy. So we're going to bring back our calibration curve here. Okay, so this sensor can be calibrated with what we call uh, value pairs. And these value pairs are essentially grab samples. So similar to the TSS, we're going to calibrate with a, uh, with a grab sample of, let's say, nitrate. So if I have uh, 
if I have a nitrate reading, which we might actually have a nitrate reading on here, um, 0 0.19. So let's use, let's uh, take an example for our, uh, for our measure, our first measurement, our first value pair. So sensor equals 0.19 NO3. If we are doing a calibration, we'll also need the raw number, which actually come, is on the screen as well. Justin, if you could switch over to the other screen. So with a UV sensor, these top three measurements are all our, uh, our, or all our UV sensor measurements. Um, we at the top have our uh, nitrate measurement. We have 0 0.18 milligrams per liter. And really importantly, we need this hashtag number over here. This is the raw data from the sensor itself. That is the number we're going to use to uh, uh, calibrate the sensor with rather than using the actual milligrams per liter. So whenever you're doing a calibration on a UV sensor, make sure to write down this number. Even more importantly, write down this hashtag number. And then also write down the corresponding grab sample that you're going to get. So my hashtag sensor number is 0 0.19. Our hashtag number, which is our raw, is going to be 0 0.19 as well. And then let's say we uh, let's say we go to the lab and we come back and our nitrate is actually 0 0.5. Zero point five milligrams per liter. So with these three numbers, we can go ahead and calibrate our sensor. So let me show you guys what this looks like from a calibration curve standpoint. All right, so we have our raw number, which is going to come from our sensor. We have our uh, our sensor number, which is going to be our output value. And when we go into our settings, we're going to be able to uh, take or change these numbers from what's default, which is 0, 0, and 10, 10. So it's basically a, a, a linear relationship between the two. So 0, 0, and 10, 10, let's say. So that is our relationship right now. If we were going to uh, go ahead and input these numbers, we're actually going to uh, do a reference number of zero or a, uh, I'm sorry, this is the, uh, this is the reference number, not my bad. So 0 0.5, this is going to be 0 0.5. And our hashtag number is going to be 0 0.19, which is actually, this is not really a good example. Let me change these numbers really quickly. We'll just do um, 9, 9, 9.0, 9 9.0, and 15. There we go. All right, so if our reference is going to be 15 and our hashtag number is 9, we're going to have a new, a new uh, relationship. And with, instead of this, we're going to have this. And that's how we're going to basically uh, calibrate our sensor.
All right, so going over to our controller, we're going to input these numbers into our um, into our controller. So again, going into the settings of the sensor, we're going to press the S button. Go to the settings of sensors and dip sensors. Go to our nitrate measurement. And we're going to change, like I said, we have 0, 0, and 10, 10, which is, was that original relationship. And now we're going to change it to where our hashtag, or our raw value is 9. This is going to be 15. That's our uh, nitrate reference value. And then it should be also. So again, we just made up the numbers, so this is not gonna necessarily reflect what we what changes we just made. Um, but yeah, that's essentially how the UV measurement goes. Okay, so a uh, last point about the uh, UV sensors is that the uh, this is another sensor that doesn't have any consumables, so you will not have to replace any electrodes, you don't have to replace any wipers or anything like that. So. Um, so we can go ahead and move on to our last sensor of the day, assuming that I'm not sure if we have any questions. Um, all right. All right. So lastly, we have our IFL sludge level sensor, which we have fashioned up to be, have a demonstration in this tube right here. So this is our sludge level sensor. This sensor sits at the very top of the of the water. You can actually see the uh, uh, the wiper going right now. It sits at the top of the water. It shoots down a ultrasonic signal. It's going to bounce off the top of the sludge and also the bottom of the tank. And it's going to rebound or it's going to uh, catch the bounce back of that ultrasonic signal and tell you how far down that sludge level is. So all, along with this sensor is a wiper. So going first right to cleaning, um, this has a wiper. So it goes, uh, wipes off the uh, actual measuring surface of this sensor. Um, I think it goes off about every couple minutes and keeps that sensor very clean. So there is really not much manual cleaning that you have to do with this sensor at all, if ever. So that's one of the nice things about this sensor. In addition to that, this sensor is usually used on um, uh, secondary clarifiers in which you have a rake arm. When that rake arm comes ar around, it's going to lift out of the water and drop back in. That actually does a really good job of keeping the sensor clean itself. So let me put this back in here. And just to demonstrate, with a, with a rake arm, this is what the uh, deflector plate looks like. So with a rake arm, it's going to come around. It's going to lift the sensor out of the water. Once the rake arm, once the rake arm goes by, drops back in the water and continues the measure. All right. So another thing about this IFL sensor is that since there's no cleaning, there's no calibration, um, there's no consumables with this sensor either. Uh, the most important thing with this sensor is going to be uh, is going to be uh, installation and uh, setup. 
So first off, installation. I'm not sure if you guys can see this, but uh, you're most importantly going to have to set two main parameters, and that's going to be the sensor depth. So how far deep into the water is the sensor? And the nice thing about this is that the sensor actually has these two, these two metro, or these two little triangles. And this is exactly where you need the sensor to be on the on the surface of the water. So when I sub, when I put this in a clarifier, you want that water level to be right between those triangles. And I'm going to do that right here. All right. The next thing you'll have to set is your tank depth. In this particular case, our tank depth is exactly four feet. So we're going to go over to our controller here to set this baby up. So again, going to the settings of the sensor, I'm going to press the S button. Settings of sensors and diff sensors. Highlight the right-hand column. Choose my sludge level sensor. Press continue. All right, so these are the settings for the uh, for the IFL sensor. Um, in here, we have uh, a lot of different options, and I'm going to go over the most important ones uh, for you guys. So the first one, obviously, is sludge level height. Um, there's I can either choose the sludge level height, which is the height of, from the bottom of the tank where the sludge is, or the height of the sludge from there, or we can do sludge level depth. I'm not uh, that's not a very often used uh, parameter. So. Uh, next, we have the immersion depth. So this is default set to the two little triangles that you see on the sensor. So that's why it's very important to make sure that you're exactly between those triangles. Water depth, this is the depth directly below the sensor down to the bottom of the tank. You want to make sure that this is extremely accurate. Um, otherwise, it can give you measurements that are you know, not quite right, or it might not be able to give you a measurement at all if it's uh, not set correctly. So you always wanna make sure that water depth from the top of the water all the way down to the bottom directly below the sensor is uh, correct. Um, these two, or these three values uh, should really never change. Um, really what that is, is just kind of honing in on what exactly you want the, uh, the uh, sludge level to return as its measurement. Um, echo selection, this is the other important one. We have two options here. Um, topmost echo and strongest echo. Um, what it means by echo is actually the uh, the signal that it that it receives when you get a bounce back from the bottom of the tank or the top of the sludge. So if you choose strongest echo, which is the default, that's going to provide you a uh, the uh, mo the most um, strongest signal from the uh, or I guess the yeah the strongest signal. Um, from the from the sensor itself. So what is basically what's always there at the at, at the bottom of the tank? Is there is there always two feet of really thick sludge? Then it's going to really try to latch onto that two feet. In the case of topmost echo, this is the fluctuations that you might see as the ray carbon goes around. If you if the ray carbon is approaching, you can see an increase of the sludge because that's just how the ray carbon kind of kind of piles up sludge and. Uh, in, in front of it. Um, if you choose topmost echo, you're going to be able to see those fluctuations as you go through. In addition, uh, the fluff, uh, if you have fluffier sludge, 
Uh, you're going to want to choose topmost echo because uh, it will actually look at the fluffier sludge if you're looking at the top, if you choose topmost echo. So we're going to shape, keep strongest echo in this case. The next one is minimum intensity. If you have very fluffy sludge, this is default to 30. Um, if you have, uh, again, if you have fluffy sludge, I would change it down to something a lot lower just to make sure that it picks up that really, really light sludge at the top. And then uh, after that, save and quit. So those are the main things you'll want to set. Okay, so going back to my measurement screen, you can see right now we're measuring 1.38 feet. Um, that is because we have the we have a device in here that can actually bounce back these uh, that can actually mimic the sludge. So if I'm going to uh, drop this down to about one feet, I'll show you what that looks like. All right. So um, the other cool thing about this sensor is that it does have a uh, it has a special function to where you can see exactly what the sensor is seeing. So to do that, you highlight the sludge level sensor, press the OK button, go to extended sensor functions. This is only available for the IFL uh, sensor. Um, press OK, and you can get you can basically see what the sensor is seeing right now. So we have our from left to the right on the bottom. We have our depth that is from zero to four feet. You can see we have our uh, we have our device sludge device right about the three foot mark. So that means our sludge level height is going to be about one point three feet. If we want to increase this to about two, you can see how it affects the signal coming from the sensor. So I'm going to raise this up to about two feet. We see the bounce back is no longer coming from about that one foot mark, and it's going to change to about that two foot mark. And then what should come along with this is that the sludge level height should uh, shoot up in about, you know, uh, about a minute to change to about two feet. And the other nice thing is that you can see exactly where the sensor is choosing to see the sludge level height. Right now that dot is about 1.28, but I'm hoping once we have that chain or once we have that moved up to about two feet that this is going to move to before this new um, before this peak that we see. On the y-axis, we have our intensity. Um, so this is the intensity of the bounce back of the signal. Since our sludge, our fixed sludge device is a solid, uh, is a solid item, it's going to bounce back very strong, which is in this like 300 mark. If you're working with sludge, that's going to be down around the, uh, down around the uh, 10 to 20 to 30 uh, intensity, especially if it's, you know, a, uh, a very light sludge. So we'll see if it changes for us. Um, I haven't, <laughs> I have, I've had it set to about that one foot mark, so it probably just wants to stay there. Actually, we can see if we go to our sensor settings here, we can actually change it in real time. So we'll see what happens if we go to topmost echo. Save and quit. All right, well, I'm sure that will <laughs> adjust here in a second, but um, yeah, so that's pretty much, or that is essentially everything we had today. Um, 
We do have time for questions. Uh, first off, I wanted to uh, apologize for our technical difficulties. That was a uh, that was tough to uh, <laughs> tough to get around, but we I think we managed to to make it through it. And I appreciate everybody who stayed on through that. I really do appreciate that as well. So we'll try to fix out those kinks for next time and uh, see if we can um, yeah improve them. Um, but yeah, uh, do we have any questions that are unanswered at this point? Uh, yeah, if you have any questions, now is the time to ask them. I do have one. Uh, can you explain when someone would use sludge level depth instead of sludge level height? Um, I actually do not have an want to know like what your sludge inventory is so you really want to know that sludge height rather than the sludge depth um i suppose if you are worried about getting too much sludge and you are worrying about your sludge level depth getting too low that would be a potential like application for it but i don't often see customers trying to use that okay another question here is calibration data stored inside the sensor body or the 2020 uh, that is a very good question. Uh, sensor data, uh, especially for the DO sensor, the pH sensor, the ORP sensor, and I believe the ammonium sensor, um, are the ion swept electrode sensors. Those are always stored within the body of the sensor, um, which is actually really nice. And this is something that comes up around this time of year is these, uh, it's often very cold outside. If you're working on a, uh, working on a uh, calibrating a sensor and it's, you know, 10 degrees outside, um, it's often a lot more, it's often a lot more comfortable if you take your sensor inside uh, to do the calibration and then bring the sensor back out to the outside, connect your sensor and it's already, cal it's calibrated for you. Um, you just had the opportunity to do that inside rather than outside. Um, so that is a, a really nice thing about our systems that you're able to, uh, you're able to calibrate the sensor wherever you want. You just have to, it, and the calibration goes with the sensor, which is really nice. Okay. Uh, how many wavelengths does the UV vis sensor measure? Uh, yeah, so our UV sensor is actually measures 256 wavelengths. Um, it, uh, so bringing, well, I'll show you guys here, uh, get a little bit of like a visual and a little bit more description of what this sensor does. Um, so the, on one side, there is the uh, the lamp that is producing the different wavelengths of light. On the other side is the detector. Um, every minute, it's going to measure every single or 256 different wavelengths of light, and it's going to measure the absorbance of all 256 of those wavelengths. And throughout the uh, utilizing the algorithms that are available inside the inside the probe itself, it's going to give you a uh, it's going to give you that raw data, which you can then uh, correspond to a milligrams per liter value of whatever parameter that you're currently measuring. So yeah, good question. Another question here. Why do we use the raw reference number two? Um, sorry, on oh, NO3 uh, calibration and not raw reference number one. Okay, so that's a really good question. Um, I only use a... This is a, yeah, this is a really good question that I did want to bring up or did want to demonstrate to you guys. The UV sensor has a lot more capabilities than just using one data point. 
So let me get rid of all of this for you. Maybe I can do a better drawing too. All right, so let's say we're calibrating uh, a COD measurement. Um, we have our hashtag raw value from the sensor, and we have a COD reference value. So when we go to get our uh, value pairs, like I mentioned, we have the, the milligrams per liter value from the sensor. We have the hashtag value from the sensor at the time. And we also have the value of the grab sample that you took, that you took back to your lab to get. That's what we call a value pair. So it's three different measure, or three different, uh, uh, three different measurements. So last time I said that we would take one measurement, we would do a, you know, for instance, uh, nitrate was at nine and COD was at 15. Um, in this case, we'll, we'll, we can get multiple data points. We can get as many data points as you want. So let's say that we got like a, for COD, we got like a hundred, and then this was equal to um, 150. Oh. And then we took another graph sample and we got 50 hashtag, which ended up being, um, you know, 75 of our COD. This is where we could use our uh, reference data point one and reference data point two. So we can use this as our value pair, or our zero, zero location. So reference and raw value one. We can use this data point as our reference and raw value two. And then we can basically create our new calibration line, which looks like this. So now every time that the sensor is giving, like for instance, a 25, you'll probably get like a 50 on your COD. Yeah, so very good question there. <laughs>